You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've talked about who the top guys in this draft class are, but today I'm going to talk about which team at the top of the lottery is the best fit for each of the top prospects in the 2022 NBA draft class. You are locked on the NBA draft. It is a Wednesday morning. You are joined by me, Sam Ferris. You can follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. You've probably seen a lot of my clips, my thoughts, some of the stats that I post as well. I'm always on there, always happy to talk basketball. I had a couple people reach out this last week and always enjoy that. So uh, if you want to see some of the highlights that I post or stats or just want to talk basketball, go ahead and give me a follow. Again, that's at Draft Dummies on Twitter. But the first thing I want to do is thank you guys for tuning into the show today. Hopefully this is your first listen today and hopefully you listen to this show on a daily basis because... We bring you episodes Monday through Thursday, and I think the other hosts also do a fantastic job. Not many shows that cover the draft and college basketball pretty much every day of the week, and we are happy to bring you that content. Like I hinted at at the top, the the topic that I wanted to hit on today is, you know, we've talked a lot about who the top guys are at the top of this class when looking at most big boards, and that's guys like Jabari Smith, Chet, Paulo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey. You know, a lot of guys have Johnny Davis in that top five or six too. I've talked about each of those guys already, but today I wanna look at it through a different lens where I'm gonna talk about which team would be the best fit. And I'm gonna only do teams that are reasonably close that I think are gonna be in at least like contention for like a top seven or eight pick. Uh, so I'm not going to pick like the Warriors or the 76ers or the Bucks for some of these guys, because a lot of guys would be great fits on those teams, but it doesn't seem likely that they'll be picking in that range. So I will be picking from, you know, some of the teams at the bottom of the standings that should have those odds. And once I use one team, I won't use them again. So I've used, I'm going to do five guys today and I'll do five different teams that should be picking towards the top of the lottery. Again, I've kind of gone with the guys that are projected right now most consistently to go top five, but I will reveal those guys as we're going through. And if we do have time at the end, you know, I, I do like to pontificate. I do like to talk about these things, so it can go a bit longer. But if there is time, I just want to do one quick prospect of the week at the end that I think is an underrated prospect. All right, so let's start at the top. To me, the one that excites me the most, and I've seen other people talk about this fit as well. I think the fit is awesome both for the player and for the team. It's Jaden Ivey to the Indiana Pacers. With the moves the Pacers have made lately, specifically getting rid of Sabonis, and just with the rash of injuries and the slow start to the year, they look like they're going to be picking, I think right now I'm looking at Tankathon. They've got the fifth worst record in the NBA, so it's certainly not improbable or impossible that they are picking in this range. Now, 
I might hit on this again in a second, but to me, this is like my favorite fit among the top teams. And if I'm them and I land at like five or six and I think there's a way that I can move up to draft Jaden Ivey, I would. And also, if I were them picking one or two, I would also not be afraid to pick Jaden Ivey at that point. That's how much, not only do I like the prospect, to me, I have him as a top three prospect, but the fit here is perfect. So why is the fit perfect? Well, they just traded for Halliburton. They've got Chris Duarte. So those two, especially Halliburton to me, he's kind of like the main building block now. He's more of a perimeter-oriented guy. He's a shooter. He's got the feel. He's got the playmaking. He can play on the ball or off the ball, which provides some nice flexibility. And Jaden Ivey is kind of in the same boat, where he can play on the ball, off the ball. I can see either one of them, like, being the primary or even just completely splitting in half those reps. Can both shoot the ball off the catch. But why they complement each other so perfectly is because... Halliburton really doesn't get to the rim that much. He's not very strong, explosive, athletic, doesn't even really have the technical handle to get into the lane quite enough. And that's fine, especially if you can pair him with a guy like Jaden Ivey, where it's just top-end burst, the quickness is elite. He just shows, even at the college level, even with a bunch of plodding bigs standing in the paint, he can get to the rim, get a foot in the paint, and um, just has gravity that way by sucking the defense into the paint, and you have to respect that. That is That ability to put pressure on the rim is something they don't have on that team right now, and so that fit to me is fantastic. Again, next to Halliburton, even Duarte is kind of in the similar mold of Halliburton, where more perimeter-oriented, very good shooter, I think to me, he profiles more as like the first guard on the bench, even just long term. I think of him more as a sixth man. So when you're talking a three man guard rotation of Halliburton, Duarte, and Jaden Ivey, to me, that's like perfect in, t- in terms of talent and complementary skill sets. And so on top of just functionally that working really well, that would be they would skyrocket towards the top of my like league pass rankings. Uh, The nerd that I am, I I love watching teams, obviously, like the Magic, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Pacers, now that they have Halliburton. I have long been a guy that's higher than the consensus on Halliburton. I am higher than the consensus and always have been on Isaiah Jackson as well. And that blend of styles and talents is great because you got, again, the skill, the finesse, the shooting with Halliburton and Duarte mixed with just the blinding athleticism, um, the activity rates of guys like Ivy and Isaiah Jackson. So I just think that blend would be pretty much perfect. And that would be fun. They'd shoot, again, to the top of my league pass rankings, certainly would be in the top three there. So that blend of talent is perfect. And and so I, I love the fit there. Again, if they land at one or two, like I have him in the top tier with Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, I honestly would be fine with them taking Ivy one or two if they were to get up that high. And I think if they ended up like five or six, if they could package Turner with their pick, even to just move up a spot or two to make sure 
because I do agree with a lot of people that the top four in this class is certainly, it's obviously better than the rest of this class, and I think it drops off pretty steeply from there. I, I've always been a bit lower on Miles Turner. I'd be fine moving him, especially with now, you'd say their window is going with the youth to try to peak maybe three, four, two, three, four years from now at this point. Even if you have to package Turner with your pick just to move up a spot or two, like this is the rare circumstance where I think it would be worth it, where I would advocate for trading up. And so to finish each of these segments, I, I'll just kind of state the core that they would have. And so that core again of Halliburton, Ivy and Duarte in the backcourt with Isaiah Jackson's who I'm higher on than the consensus. He is what I call like the permanent God. His stats on a permanent basis are always ridiculous, whether it's the rebounding, shot blocking, scoring. He's even started shooting threes, even off the bounce. Like I had him as a top 10 guy coming into the year last year on that, on my board for the 21 class. And I have not moved off that. Um, unfortunately, he keeps picking up like these ankle injuries um, that are just nagging, but I'm really excited to see him get more time. All right, uh, up next, I am going to go with Jabari Smith here second. Now, I'm not ranking these guys in any type of order. I just have the five guys. Again, no specific order here, but I went Jaden Ivey, again, number one to the Pacers, I guess if you could say they're in any type of order, it's actually probably just an order of like the fit in terms of how much I like the fit. Now, I don't usually advocate for drafting for fit at the top, but sometimes fit and like scalability or portability can get um, kind of mingled in people's minds. So like fit for a specific team can be a bit overrated, but with a guy like Jabari Smith, his portability, his scalability, the defense and the shooting that he brings will provide so much versatility and roster flexibility and lineup construction flexibility. And it just gives him more paths to success, whether it's as a high-end superstar, you know, like a top 15 player in the league, or if he just maxes out as like a really good number three option. Well, that guy tends to be a lot more valuable when they're in the mold of like a Bridges a guy that I think Devin Vassell is going to be. Those guys that can really defend at a high level, shoot the ball, and have size on the wing. So Jabari Smith here, the fit that I have is OKC. Now, I've been pretty fascinated with the way and the direction OKC has gone in the past few drafts where they seem to really be taking shots on different types of potential on-ball creators whether it's more of the self-creators like SGA, who they traded for, and Trey Mann, or the guys that are more of the setup guys like Josh Giddy, And even in the second round, they've taken guys like, or traded for Ty Jerome, took Teo Maladon. Poku is even in a guy that can have the ball in his hand a bit. So they've taken a lot of those guys. And at this point, they really need to infuse some shooting and just somebody that's a threat off the ball. And so Jabari Smith's ability to be that, be a threat off the ball or off the one or two dribble pull-ups, you know, some quick hitting action when he gets the ball from a Giddy or an SGA, 
They really don't need another guy that needs the ball in his hands a lot. They've, like I said, they've taken shots on those guys. And SGA is a borderline all-star already. Josh Giddy has been showing out. He was my fifth-ranked prospect last year. So they just don't really need a guy like that. They need that quick hitter, that guy that can space the floor, be scalable, be effective in a primarily off-ball or a quick-hitting on-ball role. Plus, he is the best defender among this group of five players, in my opinion, except for Chet Holmgren, who we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, just that they do need that infusion of shooting. They need that defense on the wing next to these on-ball guys. And yeah, like more than anything, the shooting, because I love watching this team. I love figuring out, you know, how this team's going to fit together. Giddy is fun to watch. Trey Mann is like my probably most underrated watch in the league. Um, just his ability to get buckets. I, I love watching Trey Mann, another guy that I was high on. And so they they do need this kind of plug-and-play guy next to him who certainly does have a lot of upside in his own right. But the, the line that I've used with a few people is Giddy leads the league in like awesome kick-out passes to non-shooters that either just can't make the shot or don't even take it, whether that's a guy like Baisley or like Poku or even SGA. They do need that infusion of shooting, and Dort is like arguably one of their best shooters outside of Trey Mann right now. And so that's great. That's all fun right now. And I could go on a whole nother tangent just on Lou Dort, the improvements he's made offensively. But you probably don't want him to be your number one off option offensively. And, you know, he's not that all the time. I'm just saying he's probably overused. He's probably a little over his head in terms of the role that he's handling right now. If they can scale that back and, you know, it's certainly useful, the offensive improvements he's made, you just don't want him a top two guy. Um, but they do really need his defense that Ludor brings and they could really use the defense Jabari Smith brings. So again, just the shooting, the defense, the ability to play quickly, the ability to space the floor, because I think that's another angle that's important to talk about is not only... Uh, did they need spacing in terms of just helping the team right now? It's an important thing, both short-term and long-term, because the best way to help these guys develop, especially a guy like Giddy, who's more of a pass-first guy, he needs that spacing that a guy like Jabari Smith provides to open up the passing lanes for him so that he can, um, he can kind of tinker, he can kind of explore what passes he can and can't make, what's going to work at the NBA level. A lot of that just isn't even open to him right now because there just is not a lot of spacing on that team. And he's still been really good, but that's just because he's a great prospect. Um, so that he'll just give them some defensive bite on the perimeter as a really good on-ball guy that they can stick on the best opposing wing. Also, I think it's important to mention that this team is very, very young, obviously. And Jabari Smith is one of the youngest prospects in the draft, so... I like this fit from all angles. He would be a guy that I would like to see end up there. So let's say if he does end up in OKC, we're talking a core of Josh Giddy, SGA, Lou Dort, Trey Mann, Jabari Smith. That's, that's a really fun five-man core. And what they're probably just missing is like a good big. He doesn't even need to be a star, just kind of like a big that can play his role to complement those guys. 
And then you're looking at a very intriguing core moving forward. And OKC has done a good job. Unfortunately, they've moved down in a couple lotteries. Let's hope that doesn't happen again this time. And maybe they can get a chance to, in fact, get Jabari Smith to help round out this young core. All right, coming up next, we will do Chat Holmgren. And I'll tell you where I like his fit. But first, let us get a word from our sponsors. The first sponsor today is Prize Picks. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app. It's called Prize Picks. It is daily fantasy made easy. I believe that you guys will really enjoy this. It's easy to use. You pick between two and five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it is just you versus the projected numbers. No one else involved. Entries can be made quickly in under 60 seconds, and it's easy and safe. Again, use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. For a limited time, PricePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all users where you get $50 for free if a player in your first PricePix entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right, exclusive offer for our Locked On fans. Sign up today, use promo code NBA for $50 free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. All right, I did hint that Chet Holmgren would be coming up next. Maybe, arguably, he's certainly in the top tier of prospects with Jade Nivey and Jabari Smith. These are my top three guys. Order them how you will. I think tentatively right now I've got Chet, Jabari, Jade Nivey, but again, they're in a tier, so it's pretty close. And I have moved Paulo down. I do have him fourth among that group. But in terms of the best fit, when I look at teams that could be picking in the top five, six, or seven, like I think Chet can fit anywhere. I think that's kind of the benefit or one of the big pluses with a guy like him and a guy like Jabari Smith, who we talked about going to OKC as my favorite pit in fit in the past segment. The one that I've chosen here for Chet Holmgren is the Houston Rockets because I, I just think it would be really fun to watch Shen Goon and Chet Holmgren play together. How well it would work, I don't know, but I think in theory it makes sense. Um, like if you were to make in a lab or like in 2K, whatever, a, an ideal partner next to Shangun, it would be a guy that can space the floor offensively and can help protect the rim behind him. And, you know, I like Chet does that better than anybody. The crazy thing is he started the year shooting so poorly and now he's up to almost 47% from three. It's been like over 50% if you look at just the last 10 or so games. And so, again, you look at the core that they have here. Let's say it's Jalen Green, KPG, KPJ, and Alperin Shengun. And look, I like a lot of the core or a lot of the role players they have around those guys. Like you'd think one of Christopher Garuba or KJ Martin really sticks, really hits long-term as a starter. Those guys are all young with upside. If I had to pick one guy, it'd probably be Christopher out of that group. But Garuba hasn't gotten a ton of run yet. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but... When you look at that core, if you're nitpicking it, if you're saying, what is it that they lack 
at this point and even projecting forward. It is defense, which they have been terrible. Houston's been terrible defensively, which isn't a huge surprise for a young team. But even compared to other young teams, the defense has just been pretty ugly to watch. And then, like, shooting. You'd like to put some shooting next to Jalen Green and next to KPJ and next to Shangun. Those guys, they bring a good combination of skill, athleticism, like Shangun. I, I'm still higher on him than a lot of people. He just does have that magic with the ball. The flashes are there. There's some rough edges to smooth out, but we've seen the production from him from a young age. And then the athleticism, the pop from the guards. If they can get either like a big wing, like Jabari Smith, honestly, here in Houston would be another fantastic fit. Again, that's one of the benefits of him is he's so portable. Uh, but the I already used him for OKC, and so what I'm doing here is using Chet Holmgren. Look, is he a five or is he a four? I think we've kind of seen with guys like Mobley that it doesn't really matter as much because he's so good defensively. Now, I don't think he's going to be able to move quite like in space like an Evan Mobley. He's not quite that fluid, but you're trading out a little of that and getting back more rim protection and more shooting from three. And to me, that's probably what Houston needs. Like if there's one player in this draft who can come in, be a quick fix defensively, just clean up messes. It's two guys I'm picking. It's Walker Kessler and it's Chet Holmgren. And Chet is number one for me, even though I'm a big Walker Kessler guy and he's put up just completely ridiculous block percent numbers. Uh, like Chet to me is the best defender in this class where I think like at his peak projecting forward three years from now, I think he will be. And so, like I said, if you need a guy to come in, clean up messes, be that fixed defensively while bringing shooting, he can be that. And I do buy, like, I do think there is still more untapped potential off the bounce. And I don't think this is a hot take. We saw it from him in high school the floor is a bit more compressed in college. There isn't as much space. He's playing on a very good team. He's playing his role fantastically well, but I still do think there is that upside with Chet. And I do think, like we could argue if all these guys hit their 90th percentile, who's most effective, who's more valuable in terms of both the player type as well as the like what they actually become on the floor. To me, Chet might be that guy. Like. I started with him number one. I, I've kind of rotated through everyone and I'm going back to where I started. I think with Chet probably likely being my number one guy. Again, he's the shooting concerns out the window up to 47% almost now from three. So slide him in next to Jalen Green, KPJ, Shangun. That's fun. Again, we've talked about fun with the other teams like Shangun. Jalen Green and Chet together. That's a lot of fun for me. And the other thing I was thinking about too is Shangun is almost like the weaponized NBA version of Drew Timmy in a sense. Back to the basket talent doesn't really guard quite as well as you would hope. Again, he's a better version, the NBA version. So, you know, Chet has done quite well at Gonzaga. He's going to do well wherever he goes. He's one of those prospects. So, you know, I think it's worked well around Drew Timmy. I think it can work well with Shangun. I just think that those two together would be fascinating experiment and something to keep track of. And so I'm kind of hoping now for that to happen. All right. 
The next one we've got, we're going to go straight into the Detroit Pistons. And the selection I've made for them is Johnny Davis. Now, Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey aren't necessarily completely similar as players, but in terms of like the archetype, the position they'll play in the NBA, their, their size, it's somewhat similar. So like if the Pacers don't end up picking high enough for Ivey, Johnny Davis would probably be a guy they could target and kind of vice versa for Detroit. If they moved, if they ended up higher, Jaden Ivey would be awesome there too. But that's kind of the point with Detroit. Honestly, unfortunately, like their core to me, honestly, is pretty much just Cade at this point. I, I'm just a little bit lower on Sadiq Bey. I know he's been turning it on lately. He's been great lately shooting the ball. I just don't really buy him as a like at least like a top three starter on a good team. I view him more as like a sixth man on a good team. And then Marvin Bagley, I, I don't know. That'll be interesting. I'm excited to track him. And I think he's certainly going to do better, you know, with the chance to play pick and roll with Cade and stuff like that. But, you know, when I talk about the core with Detroit, it's Cade that I really like. And then I am just a little bit lower on the rest. I was a very big Killian Hayes guy, but that ship honestly has sailed even for me at this point i would probably look to move on from him and it seems like that might be the case they've already moved him now to the bench and his minutes have gone down still continues to just not play well enough and just has not hit on uh, the aspects of his games that needed to improve to become that high-end player that i envisioned but moving on to um you know greener pastures brighter visions of the future johnny davis here like if detroit doesn't end up in the top four that would be a very good fit for them because you know i've always been a johnny davis guy i think one of my wins recently in terms of projections was i had him basically as like um outside of Jaden ivy and benedict matherin johnny davis and keegan murray were my next favorite or highest ranked returners. And I don't think a lot of people had Johnny Davis ranked that high. In fact, I know they didn't. So I really like him. I I don't have him ranked in my top five anymore. And the main worry with him is just that he ends up on a team with another smaller guard. Now he can be very effective and I think he'd be optimized play next to a bigger creator, whether that's a big guy like a Jokic or even him an Embiid or a wing like a LeBron, a Paul George, a Kawhi, or a guy like Luca, or, you know, the problem is that you don't find too many of those guys picking at the top of the lottery because usually they're on good teams. Well, there is a younger one and his name is Cade Cunningham, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, whatever you want to call him. Um, you can afford to play another 6'4 guard next to him. And I think it's also important that Cade is a plus defender and Johnny Davis is too. So I like both their offensive and defensive fit. So that would be my one concern. That's why I am a little bit lower is if he ends up with another smaller guard, like if Davis is more playing the two next to a traditional point guard, then I just worry both a bit about the defense as well as just the offensive ceiling of that backcourt. Uh, because I do view Davis as probably more of a second option offensively, which is why I probably wouldn't take him in the top five, but it's okay because I think he's a really good defensive player too. 
So he can bring some of that defense. He's a guy that can help instill that culture, that toughness that Detroit's trying to, to instill. And again, the fit next to Cade would be ideal. There aren't too many bigger creators, but luckily Cade will be picking likely towards the top of the lottery. So I like the fit there. I think Cade is going to bring enough shooting, but he even kind of low-key lacks that slashing, that athleticism. And Johnny Davis will be an above-average athlete for an NBA guard, uh, but he is a slasher. He is going to put some pressure on the rim, but he can also be a secondary creator next to Cade, help relieve him of some of that duty, but also put pressure on the rim. So I like that there. That core would then be Cade, Sadiq Bey, Johnny Davis, and maybe Marvin Bagley. I don't know. Step in the right direction, but certainly probably still missing a piece or two, to be honest. All right. Well, that was it for that segment. We're going to go into another break here. In the final segment, I'll do the final guy out of the top five. That's Paulo Boncaro. The fit I picked for him was a bit of a, it's kind of a sleeper fit. Probably not one you would predict. I'll talk about that coming up next. Football might be over for this season, unfortunately, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it isn't just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to even the Olympics coverage. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so... Paulo Boncaro here, and the fit that I've chosen for him might be a bit of a sleeper. I think they've got the they've got the seventh worst record right now, the San Antonio Spurs. Now, why do I like the fit there? For those veterans of the show that have listened to the Draft Dummies before, you'll know I am, or I have been, and I still am a big Devin Vassell believer, and... Look, they've got the defensive length and personnel around him to, I think, kind of insulate Paulo Boncaro because one of my main concerns with him is just defensively, he can get lost a bit. There certainly are the lapses in energy and effort with him, and I just don't necessarily know if the physical tools are going to lend themselves to him being a very good or even like above average defender. But he can be a number one scorer. That's kind of how we project something in between a Carmelo and like a Julius Randle. Whatever kind of the happy medium between those two comps is, is where I'm at with Boncaro. Uh, But I just don't think he provides quite the versatility, quite the portability that these other guys do with the shooting and the defense. And so like if he doesn't hit some higher end outcomes, then I can see him being just... Let's see. Another way to phrase this is if he hits more of the median outcomes or below median outcomes for him, I think those will end up being less valuable than guys like Chet Jabari and Jaden Ivey. But if he ends up in San Antonio, they have the defensive length and talent in guys like DeJounte Murray, Devin Vassell, even Keldon Johnson with the rim protector and Pirtle behind him so they can kind of insulate him, cover up for maybe some of those weaknesses. But I really do hope 
I would like to see the Spurs jump up to the top of the lottery. I feel like it's been a while now that we've talked about, like, you know, they've got great supporting pieces, but they are probably towards the bottom of just the watchability rankings for a lot of people because they don't have that star. They don't really have that one exciting young talent, whether it's the LaMelo or the Anthony Edwards, even the Mobley Cade, whatever you want to call it. To me, yes, I love Devin Vassell, so I will argue for that to the death. I'm just speaking for most people here. But they can take a chance on a guy like Apollo Boncaro, where they're unique here. They've got a lot of these nice pieces around them. They're kind of just waiting for that star player to walk in. They're almost like the Raptors before Kawhi got there, but like five years younger in terms of like development trajectory. Now, I don't know if all these role players are going to end up hitting or to what extent they will, but I really like where they're at right now. I'm very high on Vassell. So I would kind of like to see San Antonio jump up. And to me, Paulo is kind of the one low-key under the radar fit here. And I know a lot of Spurs would be fans would be happy to have him. So they have that defensive talent. They're the kind of unique team that really does have that spot for a number one offensive guy that hole that I think he can, you know, maybe not year number one be that guy, but he can work his way into being in terms of like his projection as a young player in the NBA. So we're talking about a core there of Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson, DeJounte Murray, Paulo Boncaro, and I cannot forget Josh Primo, who's looked, you know, pretty solid, certainly better than I'd expect at this age in young stints and has had good moments also in the G League. So I think that would help their watchability rankings. I think that would give them a guy who has a chance to be a potential number one score to fit around those pieces. But DeJounte Murray, hey, he made an all-star game himself. To me, though, he still profiles as a number two or three guy. And that's okay because he is a fantastic defensive guard as well. So we talked about Paulo Boncaro to San Antonio, Johnny Davis to the Pistons, Chet Holmgren to Houston, Jabari Smith to OKC, Jaden Ivey to the Indiana Pacers. Not saying those are my top five guys because Johnny Davis isn't my fifth-ranked prospect anymore. I'll have to talk about that on a future episode. But those are the guys you'll generally find in the top five of most consensus mocks or boards. It could change some. I do think those top four guys are locked in, and number five is a bit open, which is in line with consensus and in line with kind of my personal thoughts. I thought each of these fits were fun, both from a talent perspective, but especially just the fit in terms of the roster and lineup constructions. Plus each of the each of these, I think, are really just fun to envision to say, if we add Chet to Houston, if we had Jade and Ivy to the Pacers, what does that core look like? Man, like the Pacers really should do what they can to get Jade and Ivy and that core is looking awesome. But thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for making this show your first listen today. Hopefully that's the case every day. Again, follow me at Draft Dummies. I'm constantly posting a lot of clips, both of rookies in the NBA as well as draft prospects and a lot of stats all the time. Because you listened to our show today, maybe you would also enjoy the Locked on Bets show, which is your daily one-stop shop for all gambling needs. That's Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you.